Welcome to Faith, Reason, and Geekdom. I'm your genuflexer, Roger. My brothers and sisters in Christ join me every week as we work out these three perspectives in our everyday lives. That's what I call Christian genuflexing. Endless search for a podcast has come to an end. Episode one, it's here. Hope you guys did listen to the trailer slash intro that I had. Please, please go ahead and listen to that. It explains more in depth what the show is and what it's about. Real quick rundown, three types of episode. We're gonna be talking about stuff from the faith, scripture, prayer, pastoral nature, spiritual warfare, reason, books. Talking about the great writers history, apologetics, philosophy, theology, geekdom, all things comic book, TV, movie-related reviews. Uh, You will be hard-pressed to find another podcast like this. We'll be doing horror movies, action movies, movies that you wouldn't normally think uh, that Christian podcasts or show would be about. Let's get into The Conjuring. I'm confident in the duties of fellow Christians who with me will pierce through the rotting flesh of the evil one with the sword of the spirit to reach all who need to hear this. Let's get into this movie review slash discussion on The Conjuring 2013's James Wan flick. Today, we're going to hit all three of these in this one particular topic. We're going to hit the pop culture, geek culture with the actual movie, the James Wan horror movie, from the uh, reason side and talk about what to look for when it comes to possessions or versus mental health illness and what exorcists actually do or the real ones compared to the movies. Now, we're going to hit it with our faith from a course from the spiritual warfare, meaning that we as all Christians know that we are a part of. Uh, Christians do enjoy horror movies and horror stories and I think it has to do with the spiritual warfare side that this is a battle and we must cling to our faith we mustn't be afraid we mustn't be terrified and then we also mustn't be overly obsessed but we do need to be prepared so this is really good especially when something in pop culture like movies and stuff could bring that out in the faith bring up conversations in faith And they have a hard time finding stuff like this. This is probably one of the very, very few Christian podcasts that will actually do these type of sort of things. So I'm very excited for that. Now, before I start, I do want to say that there are two types of attacks that uh, Dynamic uh, would would do. Uh, One of them, the first type is ordinary uh, Dynamic attacks. Now, this is just regular temptation that we all go through regular temptations to sin to do certain stuff or not to do things and this is normal okay this normal it's not all the time sometimes it's just us sometimes it's our flesh sometimes it's the world but every now and then it can be ordinary attacks is what the church would describe it the second is extraordinary attacks which in the movie halfway through or so they kind of hit on three of them a little bit Uh, But I'm going to hit on all four of them. These are the extraordinary attacks that can happen. One, infestation. The presence of evil in a location or even object or objects. 
you guys kind of know about this, uh, hauntings or certain things, dolls or certain other creepy things that <laughs> will keep us up at night. You, you've heard of the, like hauntings, different things like that. The second would be vexation. Now these is like a step up. These are actual physical attacks, maybe bruisings, scratch marks on people's bodies, unexplainable. This is the second kind. Now the third kind is obsession. Now these would be mental attacks, mental like heart. These aren't just regular temptations, but these are severe, extraordinary mental attacks. That's on another level from just regular, just regular old sin. The fourth and extremely, extremely rare is full-blown possession, taking over the body as uh, the spirit, taking over the body as if it was theirs. This is the one that we all know from the, you know, the movie, the famous The Exorcist and all the other movies, and this will definitely touch on that. So you guys just want to know those are the two kind of attacks to be aware of from our faith side, so just kind of take that into note a spoiler review so if you haven't seen this or you don't want or if you're not interested in seeing it i think you still should listen to this that way you can say hey well i, I don't want to watch it or never would watch it but you're going to learn a couple things again we're going to hit it from many sides this is not just a regular old movie review so you're going to hit things that you guys will be interested in, even if you don't want to watch the movie or never interested well now you can kind of do a killing two birds with one stone and even if you have seen this, you're going to enjoy this. I think you're going to really like it a lot. It's not going to be that that scary and that that over-the-top creepy. Trust me. Don't worry. Now, right off the back, great music score. The, the score that they picked, James Wan directing and having this composer come in and having them do it to the music, the violins, the strings. It is very eerie music, very creepy score. And I'm a big score guy. Love love uh, music scores. I listen to them all the time. It's, I know it's kind of weird. If I'm working out or something, I'll be listening to the Conan trailer, the Avengers, listening to Batman theme song, all these different theme songs from the, the movie Soul. All all sorts, but yeah, a great score, great score. The movie starts up in 1968, and we get our first look at the Annabelle case. This is when they introduce the doll, and you get introduced to Ed and Lorraine Warren, who are real-life people, real-life uh, demonologists. We we see the doll, and that the story goes, they, there's there's a three people, and they're in there they're kind of explaining, like, hey, uh, they go to, to the Warrens to get help, and they kind of go over how this doll's haunting them and it's creeping them out they're freaking it's freaking them out and that they actually did some type of communicating to the dead and had the doll had gave permission to the doll to inhabit this they gave permission to the spirit to inhabit the doll <laughs> big no-no now we know from our faith working out this from our faith we know that we cannot contact the dead but it is against scripture it is against the church in leviticus uh, 1931 do not turn to mediums or uh, necromancers. Do not seek them out. And so make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. From Le Leviticus 19 verse 31. And we do know that that's Ouija boards. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Ouija boards, nope. Medium, nope. Card reading, nope. All that kind of stuff that is not approved by the church or approved by scripture. We know that we cannot engage in stuff that opens us up. We do know that. Don't do that stuff, guys. For real, this is very serious. Don't do that. 
Now, we got introduced to the new family. It's a family of seven moves into their new home. Uh, but, I, you know, before I move on, I did want to say that the Annabelle scene that opened up it, it was okay. Like, it was all right. Like, I could have done without that scene, but I understand they're introducing the doll. But it was, it was okay. You know, it was a good little teaser. Uh, nothing really scary or special about the opening scene. So I thought it was okay. I, I thought it was okay. Uh, but now we move forward and we see the new family going into their new home. It's a family of seven and the dog wants no part of it. He's like, ah, ah, I have, I don't want nothing to do with this house. The dog, as we know, like have senses and the dog don't even want to go into the door. And then we get that beautiful camera work of James Wan's directing style. The one shot that flows through the house as the unsuspecting soon to be doomed terrified family is having a good time unpacking getting in their new home beautiful one shot beautiful camera work really really like that james wan uh, utilizes that in a lot of his movies now uh later on we go the dad uh discovers the basement and he breaks like uh, the rule horror handbook uh section two rule number 124 when you see a dark basement, do not go in there when you have one match. He breaks the rule. He breaks the rule. Yeah, yeah, what he did, the dad did. Yeah, don't do that. Don't don't do that. Don't ever do that. He goes into the basement and he can't see get a little match. And you're you're like getting ready, something's gonna pop out. Uh, nothing really does. But the house is freezing cold. They get the bad, ugly smells. The clocks stop at 3.07, and they're all wondering why. The mom starts to get marks on her. A lot of, not a telltale signs, a lot of, a lot of big no-nos, check, checklists of what you don't want in a new home. Yeah, yeah, it's really freezing cold, check. Uh, yeah, creepy things are happening, check. Clocks stopping at certain times, check. Horrific sulfur smells, check everything everything is just going wrong all the red flags the home is just one giant red flag that's pretty much what it is we go to a scene where the warren's haunted room their own personal haunted house he takes one of a reporter who's doing a story wants to look into it so we're at the warren's home and they keep all the creepy possessed haunting objects in their very home where they have a young daughter by the way that lives with them and there's really no security in that creepy, it's, it's almost like having nuclear weapons. These are nuclear spiritual weapons and they just have it in their home like with no real security except a stern warning and some cheap locks. Like that's it. <laughs> like that's it. You want to talk about gun safety and keeping it locked up? Like really? Like they don't even have any, I would have some like, grade a security i'll probably have like uh somebody from the swiss guard at the vatican uh standing at the door holy water i would build like a, a fort of holy water everything like that definitely i would it almost makes you question how good of a daddy is no i'm just playing but it, i don't know I, I wouldn't do that that that's something that i definitely would not do the first night is the encounter of the daughter one of the daughters her leg is being pulled you hear the knocking three times they don't see nothing but they know something's there stuff starting to ramp up stuff is starting to really ramp up there it's the morning they're trying to get used to their new home there's a creepy old music box that the daughter finds brings into the house 
and you see that music box scene when the daughter's talking to an imaginary friend. We all know like, how kids could be kind of creepy. We're like, oh, I'm talking to my friend. It's like, um, tell your friend uh, that he doesn't pay rent. He needs to leave, like now. Unless he's going to pay the utilities, he needs to leave. A lot, a lot of kids, I know a lot of stories like that. Even my family members, there's stories of, of when they were younger having imaginary friends talking to them. But this is one of those where like, oh, my friend, you know, yeah. Oh, he comes in the music box. Yeah, uh, mom, look, play this music box. And then you'll see my friend behind you. Oh, hell nah. Hell nah. No. I don't think so. I don't know why she does that, but she plays the music box, looks inside the little mirror, and and you supposedly, I guess, it'll, it'll appear behind you. Luckily, nothing happens that day. But de- uh-uh, definitely, I would not do that. Followed by another weird game, the clap game, in the second story of the stairs, which is a bad idea. I mean, you're just brand new to the home and you're playing a game where they're clap games when they're it's like marco polo you put a blindfold around your your eyes you can't see nothing so you uh they get a clap like marco polo and you got to follow them um that's like a a, a very accident accident waiting to happen that's an accident waiting to happen you could fall down the stairs. you could stub your toe you know how hard that is you know how much that hurts no bad idea and then we see the 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 wardrobe chest scene where the mom is trying to find the daughter, like the hide and seek, and she's like, yeah, uh, let me hear a clap. And then we see the drawer slowly, slowly opening, and these two creepy, scary arms, ladies' arms pop out, and they do a clap. She goes to the drawer. Guess what? Nothing's there. The daughter pops up behind her. She realizes who was that then that was clapping who who is that you know she's, she's starting to get really worried starting to know something is very up and then we have the big the big scene the big night attack when the daughter gets her leg pulled again gets woken up and she sees the spirit standing behind the door she wakes up her sister and she's trying to tell her sister like do you see it too She's like, no, I don't see nothing. And she's like, it's right behind the door. And in the big, scary scene, the door shuts open. The mom's trying to get in. The daughter is hysterical, saying that something's there. Something is there. There, There's something that nobody else sees. They can feel it. All the signs are there. The haunting house, everything's there. But they still haven't 100% believed anything yet. They just know something, something is up. So we see the Warrens investigating a non-related case. Because remember, they are demonologists. They're going up. Uh, turns out, um, most cases they're not supernatural. The side that we're going to talk about is like the reason side. You know, exorcists are trained to be very skeptical. Okay, they're not just going to go, oh yeah, everything's everything's a possession. They're not like that, and which is good. They must get like medical professionals involved before doing the rite of exorcism. Like they are very thorough, very skeptical. Uh, they get psychologists, the me- people in the medical doctors. They, 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 they have. They make sure that you have like a physical. They make sure that you get like a psychological exam. So they're very, very thorough. They don't just go around approving all these exorcism, handing them out like Oprah. You get an exorcism. You get an exorcism, and you get an. Ex- they, they don't just hand them out like candy. They don't. And the bishop has the final say. The bishop must be the one that approves, gives the approval for the exorcism, and does the 
final say. Because remember, there is disorders that may look like possession, but they're not. They're such as schizophrenia, such as other mental health isness. It might be look like bipolar. It could look like a bunch of different things, a psychotic episode, different types of stuff that is tied to thinking it might be a possession, but it it's, might be a chemical, uh, chemical imbalance or something psychological. Most of the time, it's something psychological and not um, an actual exorcism, especially if people are convinced uh, that they are being attacked and they're 100% convinced without getting seeking psychological treatment. So that is very important on the reason side. We can't just run in and thinking that everything is the enemy under the rock. We can't be like that. We have to use medical science we have to use psychology and then of course working with they're not the ones that approve it the psychologists or the medical doctors they're not the ones that approve it remember the bishop has the final say we also have to understand too uh, what entry points can allow these kind of attacks we do know that the occult stuff getting in to the occult doing occult things that can be a entry point to allow for these kind of extraordinary attacks to happen also mortal sins mortal sins can open us up to these kind of things so we got to be aware of that palm reading as we discuss ouija boards those kind of things can definitely leave us open to spiritual attacks and we got to watch out prayer is very important the sacrament staying close to god being close to God, staying under his arm, because that's what God's there for. He's there to protect us. He keeps us He's He keeps us under his wing, okay? Faith is a key ingredient. Uh, one more thing, too. You don't have to be Catholic to get help. You don't have to be Catholic to get help from the Catholic Church. Later on in the movie, it kind of insinuates that, that that is actually not true. You don't have to be. You can be other religions, and, and they will help you out. Again, using uh, uh, medical, making sure nothing psychological, but they will help you out. You just don't have to be. Also, too, there's four things that exorcists are trained to look for. If the person, the uh, supposedly possessed person, is understanding and speaking different languages, you know, it could be a Latin, it could be any other, you know, another Middle Eastern language, just different languages that they don't know or never knew at all, understanding and speaking. The second one would be superhuman strength. Now, this is things that, like if you're 100 and, uh, 110 pounds or something like that, and you're like lifting up, you're lifting up like the rock, all right? If you could lift up things like the rock, you know, and just like bicep curl, nothing, like it's nothing and you're like 110 pounds, that's a sure sign, okay? You're, you shouldn't be Superman picking up things like that, okay? Also, unknown knowledge. Unknown knowledge, maybe things about the priest, maybe things about other people that that, that nobody would know. Nobody would know. That's another unknown knowledge that they have acquired through like supernatural means. And the last one would be a repulse, a repulsion to the sacred. Maybe they're they're uh, violently repulsed by sacred objects such as holy water, a crucifix, different things like that. Now, that's something to watch out for that the exorcist, uh, exorcist priests do a very very thorough and very good job now back to the movie we see all the pictures falling off of the wall another night attack it, first of all do you know how hard it is to put pictures on the wall especially if it's the thumbtacks you know those little thumbtacks and they're like they, they make it seem like it's easy but it's not because you're trying to put the thumbtack in there and like you're pushing it and your thumb hurts for some weird reason it's like uh 
it, it's kind of a big pain. It's, it's a real pain. You're like, how, how does this tiny little thing hurt my thumb? And you're trying to push it with all your strength, but maybe you hit like a metal part or something on the wall. I mean, anyway, it's a hassle. It, it's very hassle to hang up pictures. So that I, I very sympathize with all those pictures falling off the wall. Uh, very much annoying, really, really annoying. So the mom gets trapped. She's looking around and she's trying to see what's going on. She goes down the stairs. Everything's falling. She goes into the basement. The door slams shut. She falls in and she gets trapped in the, oh no, she gets trapped in the basement. And then again, they make another appearance of those creepy arm clap while she has a little, uh, once again, a little match to light her way in the complete dark. Another horrible uh, horror rule book you shouldn't break. And then the creepy arm clap it off and it blows away and it's on like it is get every everybody gets attacked everybody gets attacked we see that very one of the scariest scenes of the movie where the two daughters are upstairs in that same wardrobe that same chest you see the the demon lady perched on top of the chest and one of the most scariest scenes of the entire movie jumps on top of the girl and everything's going all hell is breaking loose the dad just happens to shows up and he comes in and he's like, what is going on here? Everyone has gotten attacked. It is all out war. It is all out war. Everyone, the secret is out. Everybody knows, okay, something is up. This is official. Something is up. We got to do something about this. So the Warrens are doing a lecture at uh, some college or university and they're talking a little bit about, they, that's where they go over three of, they go over uh, infestation, they go over oppression and uh, possession they they don't do vex vexation they so they just touch on three of them and kind of explain a little bit about what's going on in the college lectures and stuff I, I can't imagine that going on in these in the way in this culture's day and age on college campuses i cannot see that happening now wow so it shows how far have we come along or how far uh we went downhill when uh, i cannot see a religious lecture going on like that in the university so uh that's just something to think about but the mom attends there too to get help and begs begs help begs for the warrants to visit and they do they visit the home and kind of explain a little thing they do a little investigation talk about the three knocks and they tell you yes uh, it's a offensive to the uh, the trinity the holy trinity three knocks the dad's explaining and they're going through they're like yes it smells it's cold and they're like the eyebrow, like the people's eyebrows raised, and he's like, uh-oh, uh-oh, you know, Ed Warren, he already knows, like, uh-oh, uh-oh, all the checklist lists are, you're checking them off, all the boxes, consider them checked, he says, you know, the exorcist can be very dangerous, and it's like a hard battle, and it could go wrong, but, but, but we do know that good always wins, so this is kind of not true, this is for the movie, it's not really like that, like, uh-oh, who's gonna win, is it gonna be God or the devil, no, it's no contest, it is no contest. The priests are always in control. God is always in control. Good always wins. It's not even a, a, a close match, okay? It's not like Mayweather uh, versus, you know, whatever top guy. It's not any heavyweight box. It's not Tyson, Ali. No, it's, it's none of these because God is way in control. God is supremely powerful, as we know from our faith, supremely powerful. God is not like, uh, devil's not the opposite of God. Uh, devil's more like the opposite or or, or more matched up with with uh, saint michael the archangel god and the devil are not on equal footings they are not so that's what he asked they do their little investigation she sees she senses lorraine warren senses because she's like a clairvoyant she senses the presence she sees the evil she sees the spirit she sees the the lady she sees all this crazy things scenes 
very, very uh, good, very enforceful, very impactful. She knows. And that's when they asked if the kids warns asking them, you know, because they're, they're, they, they don't really attend church as, as the father of the family seven says, you know, we're not really church going people. And he asked them, hey, um, are the kids baptized? You guys baptize? And he's like, no, we, we didn't go. We, we, we didn't do baptism. So the reason he asked that is because baptism is very, very important. So like from let's work this out from the faith, from the faith perspective. Once again, baptism, what does it do? I'll tell you what baptism does. Baptism brings us into the body of Christ. It is the doorway to all the other sacraments. All the other ones, it is the one. That's why it is very, very important. There are actually two kinds of baptisms. One is ordinary. That's the ordinary means of baptism, which is usually in the Catholic Church is done by a bishop, priest, or a deacon in the Western Rite. Now, it is a little bit different in the Eastern Catholic Rite of the Catholic Church, uh, but but in the West, in the in the Latin West, it's the bishop, priest, or deacon. That is the uh, ordinary kind of baptism. Now, the second kind is extraordinary. Now, this can be anyone in an emergency can do a baptism, like maybe uh, fear of death or somebody's going to die. Or usually, you know, if uh, you have a child and sadly something's happening to the child, you can't you, you, you're not able to get a priest, uh, the dad or the mother or somebody, they can baptize uh, the infant. Uh, if, if it's an emergency, a sad emergency, they can actually do that as long as they do it in the name of the Father and then the Son and then the Holy Spirit. And they do they have the right intention. They use water uh, so anyone can. That's the extraordinary means. But that's again, that, that's very, uh, very extraordinary and only in an emergency situation uh, when there's no priest, deacon or bishop around in the Catholic Church. Now, we know baptism like i said it brings us into the body of christ it brings us washes away now in john uh, chapter 3 verse 5 jesus answered truly truly i say to you unless one is born of water and the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven so that's in john chapter 3 verse 5 now we must remember that we we as as people we, as as followers of the church we are bound by the sacraments but god god is not bound by the sacraments remember that he is not bound we must be bound but god is not bound by the sacraments and ultimately it is him if somebody dies without baptism and we're going to get into that that is one means of baptism is god will do the baptizing if you pass away because God has the ultimate say, for example, this is like somebody who's in a far off country, maybe in a jungle in Amazon, South America, somewhere else that's never even heard of Jesus at all, that never even heard of anything at all. And they died young. They had no way of knowing God. This is a baptism that God can allow to bring in to enter the kingdom of heaven. But it's only for God and it's only a hope. But we must stick to what we know as human beings that we are bound. The other one is baptism by desire. Baptism by desire. If someone truly, truly desires it, but is not able to achieve baptism. That's what that's what I mean. Baptism by desire. And the other one is baptism by blood. Like a, being a martyr, shedding your blood, dying for your faith to enter, the, to want to be in communion with God, want to be baptized, want to enter the kingdom Baptism by blood, very high, high price, but worth the price to take.
This, remember, we know it leaves a permanent mark on us too. Uh, it's kind of like the other, not all the sacraments leave a permanent mark, uh, but some do. Buzz. baptism definitely definitely uh-huh for sure it does uh but it's kind of like uh like holy orders and confirmation also leaves a permanent mark just like uh, baptism and so it's important because it erases original sin that's what it does it washes away original sin baptized you get baptized and the next second you die you're going straight to heaven and washes it away uh, but we only get baptized once that's another thing too uh, in in our church that we follow uh, we get baptized once so let's let's go back to the movie so now they know now the warrens are on board now they're going to investigate this and now they know something's up so they start doing their investigations they start doing uh their reporting they get their guys to look into the house because they're like something went off something's going on here they do find out in 1863 there was a woman named Bathsheba who was actually related to a woman that was in the Salem witch trials remember the Salem witch trials yeah yeah she's related to them she does a human sacrifices and proclaims her love for Satan and hangs herself yeah I I I think that would do it yeah I think I think that'll do it. You want to haunt your house forever? You want to have all that kind of crazy stuff in the house? Yeah, I, I, I think that would do it. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely enough. Uh-huh. So the team starts to do the official big investigation. They bring in other people. They got the tech guy who does all the techie guy. Well, at least in, you know, what you can do in the 60s or 70s. Bring in the, the big camera. Look, look at this. Got this brand new camera right here. And it's like huge. It's like, like I got my little, yeah, we, we have little tiny phones and audio equipment. And they're rolling in big old things bigger than the old school computers. Lugging it around saying, like, I'm the tech guys. The, the tech guy before the tech guy, you know. So he comes in with the audio equipment, big bulky. He comes in with the cameras, everything. And then they have a skeptical cop. You know, you always have to have a movie trope. You got to have a skeptical cop, right? I mean, well, a skeptical person, at least. He happens to be a police officer. And, yeah, I, I guess he feels safer with his gun, even though a gun's not going to do nothing to shoot <laughs> to shoot a, a spirit or anything. But he feels safe with it. So... Uh, the, the, they start doing the investigations. Weird things starts happening. Uh, they progress through the morning and night. They're getting video. They're getting stuff. And and the Warrens are getting close. They're getting close to the family. You know, because the family and them, they're, they're getting onto a bond. They're actually having a real, like a real, real bond with each other. And it comes up to one of the scariest scenes in the entire movie. Probably the scariest scene. When the mom's not feeling well, she goes up into a room. And that's when the demon is floating over her as she awakes uh, vomiting over her it's one of the scariest scenes in the entire movie my vote it definitely has my vote and then we have more attacks more attacks come lorraine discovers tunnels in the homes these weird little like almost like people under the stairs i've seen that movie people under the stairs they have these weird kind of tunnels you could get into she falls through the basement and that's when she discovers she sees other evil spirits other spirits that are trapped in there and figures out that the, the the spirit once the mom is going to be the main target just like the other previous moms who owned the house and did horrible murders she is going to be the target that's where she figures it out the daughter one of the daughters gets attacked she gets thrown and dragged all up and down the home full-blown attack physical 
all over the home and the camera's catching it. Everyone is seeing it. Everybody's catching it. So now they have the evidence they need. They have the evidence they need. So the warrants take the case to the priest who is just like flabbergasted. You know, he's just, and he, and, and, and he claims that, you know, these, oh, since the kids aren't baptized or the family's not part of the church, it's going to be very hard. They got to get approved all the way directly from the Vatican. But we do know that that is not true. As we talked about earlier, that is not true. Uh, for an exorcist priest to help you out, you don't necessarily have to be Catholic. So that is not true. That's kind of, I guess, for movie purposes, like, uh-oh, I guess the Warrens are going to have to do it by themselves, you know. So, yeah, they kind of make it seem, you know, uh, yeah, it's going to be hard. I, I'm probably going to have to do it eventually. And, you know, later on, as we know, we'll, we'll see we'll see how, what happens. Uh, but a, a better, a much better Annabelle part comes out. We go back to the Warrens' home where the daughter is alone. And we get the Annabelle scene where she wakes up. She goes into that, that room. She sees the Annabelle doll being brushed by a malevolent spirit lady. It's always a lady in a white a white gown, long hair lady. It's always scary. That is, I don't know why, but it, it is always scary. But that's a very, very effective scene. Better than the opening one of the Annabelle. I'll give them that. So the Warrens rush back, save the daughter just in time. But the final act, now we're at the final act. The mom takes two of the daughters. Because the mom, by this time, the mom, the family has moved out of the house. They stayed in a hotel for right now. While they're there, the mom takes two of the daughters back to the home trying to do the ritual, you know. So now we have the full-blown possession. I'm talking about, yeah, just like the movie The Exorcist. Exactly. Yes, do that. But but do we know, we do know also, too, uh, take a little uh, sidestep from that, is usually... In exorcisms that we we learn from priests, um, that it's usually a cluster of demons. Okay, it's usually a cluster, and they actually have a hierarchy, just like the good angels. Remember, because these demons were once angels, they're fallen angels. Angels, and we do know there's no such thing as a speedy exorcism. You must be prepared. You have to take the proper steps. Usually, a confession is a must, and all the other sacraments. The priests have to be in good. St- I mean, they have to be mentally physically spiritually prepared you can't just do like in this movie it's like oh well all right i'll do it spur of the moment warren who's not even a priest was like ah, i'm gonna i'm gonna do the exorcism right um that's not how it works you have to be very prepared it could be very dangerous for people if they're not properly disposed to be in to participate or even help in an exorcism a real life one very very dangerous and we do know that the demons show off their power they just want to try to show off and that's why how they they have all these theatrics uh they just want to they could even mess with the mess with your perception of what you're looking at and there can be distortions of the actual physical of the face or the body could have distortion they can contort they can do all the other things you've seen in some of the movies uh that has been reported highly reported but we must remember that uh it's just the enemy is just trying to show off power trying to frighten people but the priests they are actually more frightened they are way more frightened than the priests it's almost like that thing, you know, when your kid's like, oh, dad, it's a little bug and it's a tiny little bug. And we're like, imagine how the little bug looks at you. But they do want to show off their power and try to say, hey, hey, guys, look at this. Look at this. Check me out. You want to see floating? Boom. Levitation, guys. Oh, yeah, that's right. No, like, don't be distracted by those things. And that's what very good trained exorcism 
priests that are actually trained. They have a lot. They have schooling. They have training. That's why they're trained to not to kind of get distracted by the theatrics of of the demon. Uh, Just like as Batman and Batman begins, you know, theatrics, you know, when uh, Ra's al Ghul, Liam Nielsen, uh, pretty cool guy, talks about theatrics. So uh, that's what we're talking about is is when people try to, when the demons are trying to show off their power. You have the fully possessed lady going off. They're trying to hold her down. They're trying to take her away, get her to safety. They tie her up. They throw it. She bites the skeptical cop who's in there uh, and tie her to the chair, wrap like a big blanket around her, like uh, bleeding comes up. It's very, uh, it's very scary scene. You know, the, 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 the crazy laughing, all that kind of weird voices. All, it, 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 the last part, you can say it, it's, uh, 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 don't, don't turn, don't watch it alone with the lights off. Let's just say that <laughs> already past midnight. night. Uh, you know, watch this on a Sunday morning, probably like at, uh, after mass, uh, you know, after you've done mass, a little holy water, uh, maybe at, uh, maybe one in the afternoon, two in the afternoon, uh, with a bunch of people, uh, lights on every, all, all that, <laughs> maybe do that. Yeah, that, that's a good idea. To do. But anyway, you all full blown theatrics are on display. You got, I mean, you're talking levitation. We're talking talking different languages we're talking voices we're talking creepy eyes we're talking laughing we're talking just all the show of of the strength or power uh that the demons want to try at least to show off so we got all that the mom escaped she's trying to look for the daughter trying to get her she goes through the little uh like we said the people on their stairs style kind of tunnels through the home and she's trying to get the daughter and do the ritual and they're praying and you got Ed Warren, who's doing the the exorcism right, he he's calling upon Saint, trying to inter, inter trying to call uh call upon intercession from uh, the prince of the church, Saint Michael, Saint Michael. He's trying to call on him using the prayers, and we see her struggling. The inner battle of the mom inside is trying to come out and struggle against the forces of evil. And then we have the Warrens on the outside, uh, guided by God and the Holy Spirits and the most holy Saint Michael the Archangel, battling this spiritual warfare fight. So she's remembering from the inside. She's getting trust. Like uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren finally finds the mom through the tunnels and the daughter. She puts her hand on her and starts praying, starts calling her to come out, to fight, to fight, to fight. You have Ed Warren. Everyone's praying and the glory of God shines through and finally breaks through this evil, evil, dynamic spirit, exercises it out, exercises the demons. <laughs> Ah, you know, all that glory. So glory to God. It wins as we all know that it is and God will always win. We do know that. So we have a a good, finally a happy ending, which I, when you first see the movie, you may not think that it's going to be a happy ending, but glory to God, it is. So in the last scene, we see the Warrens, we see the family bonding, we see the family, the mothers embracing, the dad thanking the Warrens, everybody's happy. We go to the Warrens' home. They go in the Warrens' home. They go to that creepy, creepy uh, basement or museum or room with like a cheap lock and a stern warning. And he just walks in there and puts the creepy music box little antique in his shelf because why not, right? Because why not? Why not? 
So he walks out, and the very, very, very actual last scene is the music box starts playing by itself. You see the little mirror with the squiggly line, and you're just wait. Like I'm waiting. Like I have a couple. Like you remember when you were a little kid and you're literally like to tell you close your eyes, and you close your eyes, or you put your hands over your eyes, but you like look through your fingers. I'm like this. I'm like this when you first see the movie. I'm like ah, oh, something's gonna pop up. Something's gonna pop up, and I'm looking. I'm looking, kind of looking, but not wanting to look really. Uh, well, nothing happens, and the music boom. And it's overseen. And it actually shows uh, real-life photos of the family. Because this is based on a true story. This is a real-life case that happened. It uh, shows the real pictures of Ed and Lorraine Warren. It shows the real pictures of the family, the house. Uh, I would, in this movie, if I had to give it a rating, I would give this movie a 9. When Especially when it comes to horror. It's one of the best. I was struggling with the 8 or 9. I kept going back and forth with the eight or nine i really was gonna give it a eight but you know what I, i'm gonna th- because it sparked so much of uh, uh, the franchise i think that alone might give it an extra half point or maybe one so instead of giving it an eight i'm feeling generous today so i'm gonna give it a nine like i said you should watch this uh again you don't have to look you do look away but as christians uh again we are in a spiritual battle and we we mustn't be afraid we mustn't obsessive or anything like that we must always mainly focus on god always may your main focus be on god but again 10 percent or whatever like yeah we do need to be aware of the battle and i think as christians there's a huge group of christians uh that are into this stuff and and you know kind of like horror movies you know even though they a lot of them can be trash this one is not obscene there's no uh sexual kind of things and and obscene languages and you know grotesque violence so uh given that uh that actually uh this is actually a movie that i think a lot of christians could you know could watch if you can bear it uh but again it's not the most scariest movie in the world um, but that's just the review that I wanted to go over because you are not going to find another podcast like Faith, Reason, and Geekdom that are going to go into things like this. You're going to, you, you might, we might learn something together. We might work out stuff. We might work out Faith, Reason, Geekdom. We might geek out on this and we try to talk about movies and TVs and all this kind of stuff. But hopefully, you guys, we kind of like learned a few new things together, um, go through the movie. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you really guys enjoy it. Uh, Next episode will be The Iliad. I'll do a talk or a review of the book, The Iliad. That's going to be very, very exciting. I hope you guys please rate and subscribe on Apple. Please, on Apple, give us a five-star. Apple really, really helps us. It helps people find us better. So please, all the other ones too, rate, subscribe, review, email, all of that, uh, join Twitter and Facebook, comment, interact. Please, I would really, really enjoy it. Thank you guys for listening. And this was Faith, Reason, and Geekdom. Your genuflexer, Roger. Thank you for working out this from the three perspectives. Good night. Godspeed. <laughs>